I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome in to another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast. We appreciate you listening. If you've been with us, following along in this journey for a while, thank you. If you're new, welcome. We're excited you're here. Hopefully we can entertain you and maybe teach you a thing or two. Probably not us, but uh, one, or, one or two of our guests that we've had on the pod. And so thank you. The best thing you can do for us is tell a colleague or a friend, family member, um, help spread the word. That's, that's the best thing. And then the other best thing that you could do is drop a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. It just helps other shooters find us. Today, we mix things up a little bit. We bring on Roger Smokey Bar, who is a longtime official in the state of Iowa. Uh, we'll get into it, but he has worked several state championships in both basketball, football, as well as baseball. And so it was fun to catch up with him, but uh, he also spent some time with the association and assigning the officials as well. And so he's got an interesting insight into the game and and how the workings um, on that side of things work. And so it was fun to catch up with him. He is a family friend of of mine that uh, we've known um, Smokey for over 30 years. And so catching up a little bit with him was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this one. As always, shoot or shoot. Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast. With us today, we have Algona legend, Storm Lake icon, good friend of uh, my family, known him for over 30 years now, Roger, better known as Smokey Bar. Smokey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I uh, It's been a while since I've been back in the state of Iowa, but... Uh, we enjoy it down here in Kansas City. We were almost 50 degrees today. I don't know what your temperature mm. was, but <laughs> that that helps. Oh, it, it does, especially after the week that we've uh, the week that we've had. We were yeah, we were mid 40s, so we'll so we'll take that. That's for sure. <laughs> well, smoke. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you. First question I have the the most pressing question I have is uh, so are you the reason for Brian's uh, shoe slash Jordan addiction? Well. I probably was a part of it. Let's put it that way, Adam, because uh, Brian Brian's dad, Tom Claude, was a great uh, football and basketball official. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the privilege with working with him. He carried me a lot of nights and over the years. And, and uh, we were good friends, family friends. And, of course, we played ball together in high school. And so he and I worked together. But he would come over. They'd come over, and Brian and their family would come over, Jennifer and, and uh, Carolyn and Tom, and uh, they'd walk out with a good 
good chunk of merchandise most of the time when they came over to our store. But it was kind of funny. You talk about the Jordans. We only got 25 pair of Jordans. That's all we were allocated. Um, and we did a pretty big number with Nike year in and year out, but we would only be allocated 25 pairs of shoes. So Brian always had his name on one of those pairs of shoes. And I had a couple of coaches that collected them. And uh, mm-hmm. I had one coach that has that at that time it had every Jordan shoe made and wow. uh, crazy. He's got some, he's got some, if he's still got them, he's got some nice money uh, sitting on his shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And so are we, um, are we talking, so you get that shipment in and one pair is always Brian's you put in the back or is Brian like waiting outside the door for you to unlock it when they, well, when he, when he knew you got it. Unfortunately, Adam, we were about 70 miles apart. So he had to, <laughs> I had to put them back for him. I had to put one back for him and this one coach. I, I always just pulled their shoes because I knew they wanted them, but, uh, it was good. It was always good. Uh, Brian, Brian always had the have the best and the latest i can tell oh, you that that's right that's, i i remember back my first pair that you sent me um were the jordan sevens and i was in second grade and so then at sevens and then the eights and the nines and um i uh i, I vividly remember that and and also obviously going over to the store too um loved going over for our trip and i usually got a couple hours in you usually got you usually got some free labor out of the deal i'd at least help run back and get some shoes every once in a while i uh probably part of my retail addiction too was helping you over there at the store well that's good that's good no you were always good help you were always willing to help us yeah we appreciated that no that was uh good times good uh good memories for sure there over at the store um, and also, you know, doing some officiating trips with you guys as well. Um, you know, I remember the younger days, especially going over the, probably the one that remembers that I remember the most was the storm Lake Jamboree for whatever oh, sure. reason was at BV there. Um, yep. for, for whatever reason that just always worked in the schedule for me to just go over and, and run around all day while you guys officiated, <laughs> um, usually probably get in trouble for bouncing the ball a few too many times, but, um, <laughs> That, that was one. And then, you know, a few, I, I think I remember a trip to Pomeroy um, and a few others, but obviously once I got going, I wasn't able to make as many trips, but uh, you know, Smoke, honestly, I don't even know. How did the, how did the officiating all come about? Where, where did you kind of pick this up? When did you decide that, Hey, this might be something that I would really enjoy to get involved with? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there was official by the name of Jim Reese and he was a postmaster at Storm Lake. And his partner, uh, who I didn't even know, and I didn't even know Jim Reese, but his partner had moved to the East Coast, and he needed another partner. And I, he came and said, hey, I, I think you can do it. I, you can work with me. I got a full schedule. I said, I need a partner. And I said, you're still looking. And he, he, he came back a second time, and I said, you're still looking. I said, my dad did this. And I said, I can remember traveling with him many a night. And the people around me were all yelling and screaming at him. And I said, I'm not looking for something like that. And uh, finally, the third time, he said, you know, you just got to do it. That's that's all I got to say, because he said, I don't have anybody else. And we got to get you licensed and we got to get you going. So he's the one that got me started. And I started working varsity games. Now, here's as Paul Harvey says, here's the rest of the story with that. I got to. uh work a six-player girls game, my first varsity basketball game, and that's all he had were varsity games. And it was a six-player girls basketball game. And when we grew up in Algona, they didn't even have girls basketball. 
I'd never seen a girls six player basketball game. And I'll tell you what, it was a treat. I'm, I'm sure I don't want a video back of what it, what it looked like, but, um, and you can imagine in that. Now here's, here's a good story. The first night I'm out, this team scores and at the, the forward score went in. Well, they turned and raced and went to the center line to get position. So on the throw in at the next, cause we had to throw the ball up to the other official. I throw a bullet pass to my partner and this girl's come screaming around. I hit her right in the side of the head. With that. I mean, I mean, it took her down right now. And I'm, I run up and I said, I am so sorry. And the coach comes out and the coach said, that's my best player. And I'm going, I coach, I, I feel horrible. I, what was she doing? Why was she racing up the, to the center line? I figured they'd score and just stand around and wait for the, other team to play the other three on three at the other end and he says well that's how we do it and I said wow I didn't know that but I do now and so anyway that's that's how it started that's just how it started so I'm already in trouble and we haven't even hardly played any of the any of the games yet you know and uh, then I was working a game one night uh, with Rick Woko I don't know if you remember the name but Rick yep ended up being a, one of the top officials in the United States and he worked in the big eight. And the only reason he probably didn't work uh, the final four a number of times is because he bailed on him. And he said, I can't, I've got our Iowa high school state basketball tournament going on. And I owe my allegiance to this, to the Iowa high school athletic association and the state wow. tournament. So, so I, I have to pull my name from working because he would have, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have, would have would have done that but uh anyway i'm working a conference championship game with rick a girl boy conference championship and we're in the girls game now you got to understand i've maybe had two or three years under my belt and they asked me to work with rick loco and i'm thinking i'm working with you know god i guess you know and i'm going to work with rick loco so we start the game and we hadn't played very long and this girl bumps this girl and I blow my whistle and I call a travel. Rick comes over to me and he says, do you think that bump made her travel? I said, yeah, it probably did. You're probably right. He says, well, now you can go over and tell that other coach that's not going to get the ball out of bounds. You can tell him we're reversing the call and it's a foul on his goal. Wow. And I'm thinking all the way over to that bench, what am I going to say to that guy? <laughs> and I just was flat out with him. I just said, Here's the deal. I said, I know I called the girl for a travel, but, you know, she did get bumped before that. And Mr. Wilco and I talked about it and we think the bump caused the travel. So we're going to reverse the call. Thank God the guy didn't say anything to me. He just said, okay. And, uh, you know, he probably saw it, but was just hoping that it was going to all right. uh, play out in his way. That's but true. anyway, so that's, that's another story of, of it. And I'll tell you my third one, and it happened in a football game. And I think it might have been our first year. And your your dad, Brian, might have been working with us. But okay. we were we were at uh, a school working a game. Late in the game, the team that has the ball is down four points. And uh, it's fourth down. The kid runs the ball and gets knocked out of bounds about two or three yards short of the first down. And a kid comes in and just late hits him. So we throw the flag for the late hit. We get the ball back. We walk off the 
penalty half the distance because it was about the 15 yard line. Walk it off half the dis distance and give them a first down. They proceed to go in and score. And as the end result, they win the game. We go to get in the car and we're only about 20 miles from home. So we go get in the car. We get to the first stop sign and I hit those brakes and the guys in the back seat just about ended up in the front seat. And they said, what in the world are you doing? I said, we blew that call. I said, I blew that call. And he says, what do you mean we blew the call? Nobody had said a word. I said, the other team should have had the ball. It was first and because he didn't make the line to gain. It was fourth down. The other team should have got the ball. And then we walked off the penalty half the distance to the goal. And they got first and 10. Instead, we gave the other team a first down. They went and scored game uh -huh. over. And I looked at our guys and I said, you know, this is a perfect example why every one of us should know the rules. It's yeah. a perfect example because, yeah. you know, somebody would have thought of it and said, hey, wait a minute, let's talk this through again. We would have maybe made the right call. But that's how important rules can be. And there's a perfect mm -hmm. example of how it ended up costing the team a game. And, uh, and I felt bad about it. The next morning, we didn't have cell phones then. The next morning, I sat and wrote a note to each coach and sent it to them because I wanted them to know that we had missed the call and I wanted them to know um, that we apologize. It's a mistake on our part because nobody said a word. No mm -hmm. coach said anything. Nobody said a word. The, the point I'm making is, as an official, that's how you build integrity because I saw that same coach in a game a year later and he said, I want to tell you that note you wrote, even though I lost the game and I lost out on that penalty situation, I, I believe in your integrity and I know you made an honest mistake. That's the way it should be in officiating. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. That's a great story. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where, so how long uh, were you involved with the game until these, uh, state championships started coming about was this do you remember was it something well, six seven years I worked, in or what? I worked the state baseball tournament my third year of umpire oh wow um, okay I worked the first year and uh and again I started all these sports I'd never worked a baseball game football game basketball game played in a lot of them but I'd never never worked any of them officiated and I just started right out of the chute and got thrown in the fire and the third year I got a state tournament contract and uh, to go to Marshalltown. And I was like a kid in the candy store. Yeah. But I want to also tell you, I was like a kid in the candy store every time I got a contract to go because there's no givens. There's right. no givens. Yeah. You had to go out and work every year, every night. And that's what I used to tell officials. Go work every game like it's a championship game. I don't care if both teams are 0-16. You owe that to them to give them your best effort every night. Um, I can tell you a story. I, when I was at the office, I went out to watch three guys work a game one night at Waukee. And I, I never told the officials I was coming. I never wanted them to know I was coming because I don't want them to work differently if they know I'm there than if they don't know I'm there. And so I, I always used to find some basketball player, Adam, that was about 6'5", and I'd sit right behind him so they couldn't see me. Because at timeouts and stuff, sometimes they'd be looking up in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, is anybody here watching me? And uh, anyway, I watched them work. And after the game, they were very lazy. I was just disappointed. And they were very lazy and they never sweat. I said, if I'd have worked five minutes of that game, I'd have been soaked. And they just, they just, you know, and I said, 
I, I went to the locker room, gave him about five minutes. I went to hit the door in the locker room and the door was open. It was the first official coming out. He didn't even shower. He didn't even shower. He just was coming out the door. And he looks at me, he says, what'd you think tonight? And I said, I thought your effort was very poor. I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, you guys didn't work hard. You cheated your other two officials. All three of you cheated each other. I said, you took away from the kids playing the game and the coaches coaching the game. And I said, then all those spectators were there because you guys didn't want to work. And he says, well, come next Thursday night. And I said, no, I got other places to go next Thursday night. And, you know, but that's that's the message that, that, that officials need to hear. You should work every night like it's a championship game. And anything less, you're cheating a lot of people. Be honest and fair and work your tail off. Most coaches will overlook a mistake. Adam, you played, and, and Brian, you played college ball. Those guys, will, those guys will overlook a call. I went by a college coach one night, and he said, Smokey, I think you missed that one down there. And I just looked over my shoulder, and I said, stick around. I'm going to miss some more before the night's over. <laughs> he, was, he was still laughing when I went back by. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that's how you, you got to work with them. You just got to be that way. So from a from a state tournament, how do those those bids work? Is that something that comes from the ads, from the coaches, from the association? How what's the combination of of being able to get honored to um, work a state tournament? Well, we have a system where where the uh, coaches can recommend X amount of officials for this for the state tournament or for tournament officiating, and for the most part, the guys that get the get the most recommendations are the guys that go the furthest in the tournament. And, uh, and we'll get down. We used to, when I was in the office, I used to get down to the point because I assigned all those guys, all their games. And I would get down to a point where there were guys, but I, I, I prided myself in that I wasn't going to take a guy because I knew I would go through every officials. They had to send in all their schedules and every, all their conflicts and everything. So I would go through each official that qualified for tournaments. Uh, before the season started, I'd go through all their information and have it in front of me all the time of who had the most recommendations right on down, who were up and comers, guys that are coming up that maybe are on that edge, but we need to get them, we need to get them into working tournaments, you know, just like I did one day. I would take those and I would look at them and say, okay, I got these 20 guys that I need to see that I'm possibly going to bring into the state tournament, Okay. You know, guys used to always tell me, oh, it's a good old boy system. And I said, no, it's really not. I said, the guys that you see year in and year out are the guys these coaches want. They're, they're the people they want. And uh, they want to see. Now, you may have a different evaluation of that person, but obviously those coaches have an evaluation, too, of those guys. And, and they had to do some things. They had to attend a clinic. Um, they had to attend a rules. They had to do the rules meeting. They had to send in their sportsmanship in a timely manner. But if you don't have these things in place, then guys are lackadaisical about that. They'll be lackadaisical about other things too. Right. So you have to have some requirements and stipulations, but, but then when it got to the assignments, you know, but I used to have guys that worked, they'd call and say, well, I've worked for 25 years and I've never worked a state term. I said, we love you to death. We yeah. got to have everybody we can have. But on the same token, obviously, you aren't, you know, every it's like a business. There's people at the top end and there's people down at the bottom end. But yeah. we need them all. Yeah. We need them all. And that's right. the way it is in officiating. Yeah. So when those uh, evaluations come in, is that for the crew or is that for individual officials? And so how do you how do you handle that come state tournament time? Are they working with different guys that they don't normally work with? 
Yeah, and, and it'll be, it, it's usually crews. The exception to that would be, and it's a good question, Brian, the exception to that would be um, maybe they have a first-year guy working for them, working with them. You know, the other two are pretty strong first-year guy. Obviously, we aren't going to bring him into the state tournament with that crew. So uh -huh. then we have to pull somebody else to, to come along with those guys that, that has the recommendations, you know, that's, that's close there. And there's a time when I can bring in a young guy, you know, and put him on that crew. Um, and, and that gives us that option too, to, to put that young guy on that crew. You know, the biggest problem we have with the young guys is, um, if they're really good, the college has got them before we can hardly get them going. I you know, we've that, got yeah. them started, but the colleges are taking them because actually when I left the Iowa high school athletic association office, our average official age wise was 54 years old, 54. Yeah. And the colleges, as you watch game in and game out, a lot of nights, there's a lot of guys well over 54 years old working those games and yeah. uh, they're really good. They wouldn't be there if they weren't good, but, but that happens. And I would imagine. So going back, obviously focused on basketball, but like when you have crews, football crews, it feels like it's easier to maybe get a younger guy um, in on with one of those crews. But so going back to even, you know, the, the time in which your uh, my dad and, and you would work uh, basketball, you know, that time it was two-man crews. And so with the two-man crews, I felt like did, because you guys worked a lot of games together, both football and basketball. So was that something where with the two-man, just because there's a little more coordination, did they try to keep those guys together a little more? Sure. Yep, they did. And that's a, that's, that's a great point. Yes, but they did. They we tried, we tried to keep, you know, of course, I wasn't in the, well, I was in the office when we had two-man, and then we finally switched to three-man. That was, that was, that was a, a lot of work for me too because yeah. i'd never worked three man you know except i'd go to iowa and work the iowa uh inter squad game with two guys from the big 10 you know and and uh, i did that a number of times but uh yeah that's that that was usually a two-man crew now um at that time coaches could recommend and they could recommend eight individuals back when we were officiating your dad okay. and i so um your recommendations could be totally different you know what i mean to who who they wanted and who they who they put down on that card and then how does it how does it work from obviously we're unique having the union and the association how does how does the officials fit into that and do the, you know obviously most nights varsity nights you were working both uh the girls and the boys and so then postseason time um was there often that you would work both or was it kind of either either or, or how did that work well, the girls union was, was really good. They were great to work with. I will tell you that. And we, what we did in tournaments, the only time we would have an issue would be if we'd have a snow up and then it was a mad scramble to get, get the officials, you know, work back in because, uh, but most of the time they played like, like the boys would play Monday night, the girls would boys would play Wednesday, girls would play Thursday or Friday or whatever it was, but they worked it out. And uh, they were, they were, I, I'll be honest with you, they were great to work with the whole time I worked at the Iowa High School Athletic Association. They were awesome to work with. And, and we worked around and we just worked together. The person that did their officials, we worked together and, and uh, you know, we'd, we'd say, the guy'd say, I need this guy. I really got to have this guy. Okay. You get that guy. I need this guy over here. And he'll say, okay, I'll give you that guy for this guy, right. you know? And, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's how it worked. But uh, no, they would, they would assign. And, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting story. I went to Spencer uh, on two different occasions and I worked and I worked, uh, they worked, they had two regional finals there. And usually you just work one regional final right. and, and they assigned me both, to work both games with a different guy on each game 
And the one guy was really upset. He says, why, why are you working both games? I said, I'm just doing what they asked me to do. I'm not, I, I don't get into that. I don't know how they did that, but, and, but he was really upset. And I said, don't let that upset you. I said, you know, think of all the guys that are home tonight that would love to be in your shoes or right. my shoes. I said, you have to think about it that way because there's a lot of great officials that aren't working tonight, you know, yeah. and, and we are. So let's just take that and do with it the best we can. That's yeah. great. No, that's yeah. good. You talked about the uh, snow out. So back, back in the day when you guys were getting going at this, I remember on multiple occasions, uh, the police going out and trying to stop dad because this was before cell phones and being like, Hey, the game's canceled. And he's halfway, you know, he's halfway, <laughs> uh, to his destination and the, the cherries come on and he's like, Oh geez, I know I'm not going too fast. And they're like, you Tom Claude, Oh, the game got canceled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did that. Pete Hanson and I had that happen. We were going to Fort Dodge one night to work and, uh, we got, got over by Fonda and we did, we just went through Fonda. The lights come on and the guy pulls us over and, I said to Pete, you weren't speeding, were you? Because he was driving. He says, no. I says, I was looking for snow drifts. <laughs> and anyway, <laughs> he says, well, your game's been canceled. They, they, your wife got, my wife got a hold of the, somebody in Fonda and told them and to try and stop us. That's about where we'd be. So That's, they stopped us, got us turned around. But, oh, oh man. That, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nights back at one year. What was it, 91, when the snow was so bad? Snow was piled up to the top of the ceiling. I, I can remember. I can remember uh, the commissioner calling us because we were uh, to go to Westmore. That was when Westmore still out of college okay. in Lamar's. And uh, he called me, we're having a blizzard. And he calls and he says, do you think you could get to Westmore tonight? And I said, who's playing at Westmore tonight? <laughs> they can get there. And, and he says, well, the, this team played somewhere either in, in up in Sioux city or somewhere the night before. And then they were playing Westmore the next night. He says, we have two guys that are supposed to come out of Minneapolis to work the game, but they've already called and said they can't get there. And I said, well, I don't know if we can get there or not either, but I called, called Pete Hanson. I met Pete at three and 71. We headed across highway three and the signs, there's a big sign in the middle of the road, road closed. And I said, well, now what do we do? You know, because there's only back roads back into there. So about that time, a snowplow came around the corner and he headed to the, to the west and i said told pete i'm going around this thing and we're going we're oh, going to follow that follow him all the way to lamar's i oh. said i don't know how we're going to get home but we got here oh wow <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's uh yeah. that's that's good stuff so do you do you know how many uh how many state championships in basketball did you do do you remember oh championships i think i worked 12 they would only let us work the championship game every other year right which I mean, is yeah. which is fair i mean that's yeah. more than mm -hmm. fair and uh, we got to work that. And I think I worked football. I think I worked 12 championships in football. And then in baseball, they didn't have any, any stipulations. Uh -huh. So I worked 27 state baseball tournaments. 26 of them I had the championship game behind the plate. Wow. Oh, yeah, that is that, awesome. Yeah. Well, it, you know, you don't do that by yourself. Right. You know, you two didn't play basketball by yourselves and were the superstars and scored every point. Uh you got to have a, you got to surround yourself with a great crew of officials. And I, I was fortunate to have that happen. I, I would take our guys against anybody. And uh, it was kind of like a coach taking his team out. I'll play anybody. And I, we would officiate anybody. And uh, I, you know, those guys, those guys, if, if you ever got an award, you shared it with them because that was an award you shared with everybody. You just like to break it down in pieces and hand everybody a piece of it because 
they all helped you get wherever you you got to you also had to have a really good ball boy for one of those uh state championship games too mad i believe it was madrid west bend i i had the opportunity to be on the sideline and work the work the ball boy hey you know what i used to tell our ball boys you're you're as as important or more important than us because if you guys can't get us the ball in a timely manner and when we need it i said it just screws up the whole game and you got to make good tosses to us to make sure we get the ball. It's our fault if we drop it. But seriously, a, a, the ball people and the chain gang are really important people, important cogs of the game, because well, those are the people you work with all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I that was so that would have been um, so obviously at the at the Uni Dome, and uh, you also had to catch the catch the extra points out of the net too. That was the other fun thing. We weren't used to that. <laughs> You know, yep. that's there you go. Happened to run it down. Now you get to catch out on that. That was uh that was a fun experience. That was uh was was definitely a lot of fun. Um the the dome, uh the barn, I mean all these really, really neat venues and neat opportunities uh for the players, for the coaches and, and for the officials too. And you know, I know they, they made it uh top notch for you guys. Um and made it welcoming, made it important, made it comfortable for you guys. And so just speak a little bit as, as far as the treatment, um, you know, for you guys, especially once you got to those state tournament level. You're right. They did. They did. It, it was, it was something we got paid mileage is what we got paid. Um, I can remember uh, like our tournament checks were maybe to start with maybe 50, $55. And then we got our, or some expenses along with that, you know, mileage and stuff. But uh, you didn't, I, I I never thought about the money, never cared about it. I can tell you my first check in baseball when I worked my first baseball game uh, was $12.50. And I had to work a doubleheader. I worked a doubleheader and it was $12.50. But wow. you know what? We didn't do it for the money. And if you talk to most officials, they don't do it for the money. They do it for the love of the game and the kids and the coaches. And, you know, uh, the, the experiences that you got, but you'd get the state tournament, they'd have a meeting. And, and a lot of times the thing that was hard was we'd get the state tournament. We might have a 10 o'clock meeting and that meeting at 10 o'clock, you might not work until the four o'clock game in the afternoon. Now I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. I really don't have anywhere to go. And you got to wait how many hours to work a game, but right. Hey, I didn't care. I was, I was working the state tournament and, and getting an opportunity and, and, uh, I, I remember a, a game at the state tournament one year. I was working Waterloo East, and I think it was City High and uh, in the semifinals. And we played the game in 58 minutes. It was 93-91. Oh. We played the game in 58 minutes. I remember going by Steve McGraw, who was coaching Waterloo East, and I said, Steve, you have any timeouts left? He says, yeah, I smoke, but I'm not using them. <laughs> and that's just how it went it was just i mean shoot at one end and if we didn't have rebounding position we just took off for the other end the the kids did and and we just played basketball and it was it was probably the most fun game i think i i was i was never so tired in all my life i mean we just ran but i remember coming in the locker room and there was a guy by the name of larry peterson that took care of officials in there and peterson said what are you doing i said the game's over he says can't be and i says it is <laughs> Yes. Sounds like a track meet. Sounds like some fun basketball though. Oh, it was fun. I, you know, I, I can't run anymore. I got the bad knee, but, but I'll tell you what, if I could, I'd still be out there trying to, trying to officiate because I, I just, I miss it. It was just, 
you know, I have, I was obsessed with it. I can tell you that. I can tell you a story. I, I always told people, I said, you got to have a great wife to go out and work as many nights because I worked uh, anywhere from four to six to seven nights a week. And mm -hmm. uh, you got to have an understanding wife, just like coaches have to. Just too. like coach, yeah. And, yeah, coaches do. And uh, I said, I, I just, just remember telling people that, you know, my wife raised two great kids because I wasn't home very much. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yep. That is good. Um, well, hey, we talked about, we talked about basketball. We talked about football, baseball. Are you, are you like shooting guns off at track meets too? And then rules regulator at golf meets or what's the deal here? Just, just those nope. three? Just those three. Just those three. Uh, when I, when I went into the office, um, I was actually hired to take over 6,500 officials and train them and teach them and, and work with them. And uh, when, when I did that, uh, I hadn't been there probably a month and a half, two months. And Bernie Sago uh, and Rick, Bernie Sago was the executive director and Rick Wolko was assistant and two of the greatest people uh, that ever entered my life. I can tell you that. And from way, way past because uh, I used to do rules meetings for them back when I was officiating, I'd travel the state and do rules meetings for them. And all three of those sports uh, gave rule, went out and around to the different schools and, and uh, gave rules meetings to coaches and officials um, for 18 years before I went into the office. But anyway, when they hired me to come into the office, I took over all these officials and uh, they wanted me to teach them and train them, run training camps and clinics and, and stuff. And we did. And uh, um, you know, I, I had so many great officials out there uh, that I could call at, at, at the drop of a dime if I needed somebody. And you know what? 99.9% .9 of them said, I'll help you out. I'll do whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's, that's awesome. I, 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 you know, I just thought that was awesome of those guys to have that kind of respect that they, they would go out and, and work for me if I needed a, needed somebody to do it. Right. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, well on the baseball, uh, on the baseball track, uh, do you pay attention to, um, Pat Hobart at all in the, in yes, the majors? Pat, Pat and I are friends. We, we, awesome. we text back and forth, uh, quite often. Uh, what about, what about Pat? How do how do you want be a ball strike umpire and get a hundred percent? That's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean it's in it's the world incredible. series in the world series too. I mean, just wild. Oh, that's, that's mm -hmm. just unbelievable. Why? When, when I talked to him about working, he, he told me that he was going to have the first day off because I said, first day off, why do you get the first day off? And, and he said, well, they start a new program where they, where they, uh, the plate umpire, whoever's the plate umpire the next day gets the day before off. So they, wow. they, they brought in extra guys. They brought in one more guy. So they have six instead of, or seven instead of six. Huh. And so he said he had the, he had the day off, but, uh, and then he'd work the plate in the next game, but I know he graded out in the American league. He was the top American league ball strike umpire. And he was number two, I think American and national league. There was a guy in the national league that beat him out by a few percentage points, but uh, Pat Holberg is, is an awesome, awesome guy and yep. an awesome official. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yep. He he, uh, he used to bust us up in uh, Urbandale Old Man's League around here too. So uh, he's oh, got a nice little jump. He's got a nice little jump shot on him too. Yeah, I bet he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pat's a good one, and and you know Cooper and uh, McQuillan, those those guys that all worked in there. You know, out of there, great guys, and uh, you know some of those guys have even even helped us when we ran clinics. So they yeah. they aren't selfish about it. They they they're more than happy to do something for you. 
Right. Yep. Right. Well, um, you mentioned a little bit about um, some of like the training programs that you've done or some of the trainings that you have done. You know, obviously, um, as officials, um, there's a certain aspect of of officiating where you have to have a little bit of tough skin. Um, what is the, what is the training like around that for? I guess maybe maybe younger or officials who are just kind of getting going. Is it just hey, just ignore the crowd, or is there like actual training, you know, actual curriculum that you that you run through with them? There, we we try and help them with a little of that. We we didn't do a lot, and we probably should have done more. To be honest, Adam, that's a great point. But uh, we because we we had so many guys that we just needed floor work, you know, just to to get the basics and stuff like that. That we that we we drilled on that as much as we could, but. Um, and, and I think, you, you know, you guys were talking about the shortage of officials, you know, and, and I said, well, there is a shortage. There's a nationwide shortage. I mean, down here in, in Missouri, where we're at, I, I've talked to a number of ADs that said, yeah, we had to move our game to Thursday night. We were scheduled to play Friday. We had to move it to Thursday or had to move it to Saturday or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's, it's sad, but there's a, there's a real shortage of officials. And I can't pinpoint really why except the fact that it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. I mean, until you've done it, it's not easy. You know, uh, I believe me, I can tell you when I started, I'm sure I was some guy that, where did you find that guy and take him back? You know, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, it, it was, uh, it, it's, it's something that, that we need more officials. And I, you know, I thought about that a lot. You guys asked me about that once about, about the shortage and I, I thought what would be our number one thing we need to do and I, I really believe this I think it's the training part we've got to get these people and get them one-on-one -on -one with people and stuff you know mm -hmm. I mean go to camps go to clinics do whatever you can do and, and attend those uh, clinics I used to have guys who came to every clinic we have we required a, attendance of a clinic to work this tournaments once every three years in Iowa and I, I'm not sure what their regulations or stipulations are now. I'm not there, so I don't know. And uh, But I know I had a lot of guys come to our clinics, and, and a lot of guys say to me when they walked out the door, you know what, I've, I've never come to one of your clinics that we haven't learned something. And I said, that's what we want you to do. That's you know? awesome. And, and, you know, like I told you before, it's like a business. There's people at the top and there's people at the bottom, you know, and we need every one of them. And, and I want to thank all the guys that are out there and the ladies and the gentlemen that are out there working that are officiating, but we need to get more. We need to spread the word and get them involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably not like I did. I wouldn't recommend that. Like I started working on <laughs> all varsity, but, but uh, you know, I, I went into the fire and I survived it fortunately and was very fortunate, but um, yeah, I think hand on hand clinic where you can get in and, and talk about the nuts and bolts and, and teach them positioning and teach them directions to go. Like when a guy crosses the middle there, you know, instead of going underneath the basket where you're straight line, go back out. And then you got the angle, you're seeing the angle and you're going to see if that guy got him on the wrist or on the elbow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, football clinics, uh, I'll be honest. I had a guy that used to umpire my football crew and he should have been in the big eight or big 12, whatever, but he, uh, as an umpire, because he was one of the best teachers, he used to coach, which I think made him a really good official. Yeah. And then he officiated uh, Pete Hansen. And I'm telling you, um, that guy, that guy, if you if you have a crew today, if there's anybody out there who got a crew and you want to learn about football, let me tell you, that guy can help you. That guy can help you. He'll, he took a football crew this year, I understand. He's 70, 
75, maybe 76. And he took a football crew this year, had very little experience, and he made him a good crew. He's he's good at it. He's good at it. But there's a lot of good ones. Chuck Britton's all those guys out there that run camps and clinics and do a signing. Um, get by those guys. Learn as much as you can. You know, I feel, I feel like with uh, with the training, you know, obviously there are massive benefits behind the training and the clinics. I feel like a little bit of maybe the issue with it is like they feel like, oh, geez, we don't want to make it any more difficult. Like they're trying to lower the bar to get more people in. However, I think the counter to that is the more you have invested, the more training that you have, it feels like it's the harder it is to give it up or to walk away from it. And so it feels like it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword because it's like, well, you invest a little more time. They invest a little bit more time. Now it's harder to, to, to walk away. Whereas it's like, you know, if they're just jumping on and clicking a few buttons and listening to a video and now they're out there officiating a varsity game and it goes badly, it's pretty easy to be like, well, I tried, I'm out of here. That's why as an official, if you want to be good, I think you really got to, you got to attend these clinics and attend these seminars and, and make yourself good. And I know a lot of guys used to say to me, well, it's another night I'm gone from home and right. gone from my family. And, and I understand that, but uh, you know, as, as an athlete, a lot of athletes out there and a lot of guys that have the ability or would have the ability to become really good officials aren't in it. And, right. and we need them involved. I used to work day in and day out, work, work all day, my job, and then go work at night. And, yep. and uh, you know, I always said to put our kids through college. I can tell you that because I used to split those checks every time and made CDs out of them and it paid for our kids' education. I can tell you that. Well, and I, th too, I, I mean, there are so many ways that you can go about it. Obviously, my dad's still officiating. You know, he never, leaves, he never leaves town, but he's still officiating. And that's something, too, where like when you're young and maybe you don't have those responsibilities, get in and lay the hammer down and go as hard as you can. And then as soon as those responsibilities come, but you still need good officials in those JV games and those freshman games and those eighth grade games. And then be around your kids games, be home, don't do the traveling. And then once you have some opportunity, if you still have that knack, go back out there and, you know, mm -hmm. find yourself climbing the ranks. It feels like there's so many paths that uh, you can make it fit yours. Uh, that's, that's so true. Very good. And, uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, you had officials when you played, you know, Adam had right. officials when he played, you know, and you got to give back some, you know, that's mm -hmm. something you got to get, give back. And I think guys, you know, it's too easy to say, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get, well, you know what, if you work at it and get, get, get yourself to a position where you really, you know, the rules you're out there working and you work hard, you're going to, you're going to survive. You're going to survive, you know, and sometimes we play it out that people are, you know, and, and you can go to a lot of games and people are really, you really don't have much trouble. And I always say it, it just goes back to hustle. If you're hustling, a coach is a lot easier for a coach to overlook a call that he thought maybe you missed. If you're working hard and hustling, they usually don't say something. But if you're lallygagging around, then it's pretty easy to say, well, if you'd have gotten this position, you wouldn't have missed that call, you know. And yeah. so... Yeah, I, you know, if somebody had an answer, I can guarantee you they'd be worth millions because every, yeah. every state in the nation's looking for the answer to get more officials. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. That's, uh, that's interesting, but I agree. I mean, the hustle, the hustle part of that and just getting into position. I mean, it, you can live with mistakes. I mean, it's no different than on the coaching side of things. I mean, you tend to give a little bit more of a leash to that player that's busting their tail all the time. Yeah. Um, and so that makes a, Makes a big difference, that's for sure. Uh, do you guys? So, was there any training with the officials as far as a manner to handle the coaches or communicate with the coaches? 
no, we would we would visit it when we had our clinics and stuff. We would visit about it, you know, and uh, you know how you approach the coach and 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 you know what to say and or you know how to. You got a coach that's you know just say I, I've had enough. Okay, let me officiate and you coach and we'll get along great um, or whatever it might be, whatever works for you. But there's guys, there's all kinds of demeanors out there amongst officials. And some can handle a guy chewing a little bit on him, but he knows when to say, hey, here's a stop sign. I've heard enough. And, uh, you know, and, and some guys just don't have that. And then they go over here and start teeing the guy up in front of him. And then the coach reacts a little bit, and then they team up again, you know. <laughs> what have you accomplished out of that? Nothing, you know, yeah. nothing. And, and, and I used to say, I, you know, I, I'll just give you an example of something that blew me away one day, and I never even thought about it. Back when we played six-player basketball, this coach one day says to me, he says, we really enjoy it when you and Tom work. He says, because we get 20 more shots a game off than we would with most guys. And I looked at him funny and I thought, what are you talking about? And he said, well, we chart it. And he said, every time you guys work a game, he said, you guys go up and down the floor like crazy. And he said, most officials just lallygag the ball to the center line and take their time bouncing it in and I, I'd never thought about that, you know, but it also sent a message to me that, you know what, they appreciate you working hard. They appreciate you working hard. What would, uh, if you're talking to, and I'm sure you've talked to plenty of these, but um, an official maybe just getting going, maybe, you know, right before their first game, what would, what would some advice be that you would talk to him or her about? Well, and it depended on the sport that you were working, but, you know, I, I would say go out there and get the obvious. And I even tell that to veterans, get the obvious, get what everybody else sees. You're going to have a great game. You know, That's if true, you start yeah. looking for stuff, you're going to find more than you want, more trouble than you want. So yeah. go out and call the obvious, do what you do best. And, uh, and that's what I would, would tell a young kid. It's kind of fun. I have a grandson playing baseball and uh, he's only in seventh grade, but, but uh, he travels a lot and plays in Kansas and Missouri and oh, yeah. different, different places. He's been to Des Moines and stuff like that. And it's funny how fast somebody gets to think, Oh, that guy's an official. And so I would, they, they come over to me sometimes and say, can you help me? And I'd say, yeah, I, here's, here's three things I saw. You know, and we would sit and talk about those. And then I would say, this is why I'm telling you this. And I got to the point where I'd go to some of those games and those guys would be umpiring and they'd say, hey, watch us and see what, if there's anything you can help us with, you know, and whether it's your stance or what it is. I, like I was at a game the other day and my grandson was playing and this guy squatted way down. Well, he, he can't see the low pitch. And it, it's, it's one of those things about baseball. The higher you get, the better you see the low pitch. And everybody thinks you got to get low to see the low pitch, but you don't, you can't, it's the higher you get. And so you start at the top of the strike zone, then you can see the low strike and, and, you know, stuff like that. But I, I told a guy the other day, when you got 20 minutes someday, come see me and I'll be glad to help. you. I'll be glad to help you. And I, I said, I can take you from an average, uh, an average seventh and eighth grade baseball umpire to somebody looking for you to, to work high school games. That's and, awesome. uh, he says, I'm, I'm coming to see you. So I'm waiting, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. you, you've touched on it uh, a few times here throughout, but uh, just, just for any listeners who may not know, explain the transition and ultimately what the job role was once you moved to the association and moved to Boone. What did, what did that look like? What was kind of the day-to-day -day for you? 
my day to day, I was, I had all the rules interpretation for football, basketball, baseball, and golf. And uh, well, when I went into the office to start with, um, one day Bernie Sago walked down to my office. I'd probably been there a month and a half. And he says, uh, you're going to take over baseball. And Dave Hardy had baseball and Dave Hardy and I were good friends. And I, I, I knew Dave well and, and was a great, a great baseball administrator, but he also had golf. And so about a month later, Bernie walks in my office, says, you're going to take over golf. And that's when I stopped. And I says, how often are you coming down here now for this? And, and, and anyway, but no, I, I, uh, I guess, I guess if he didn't believe in me, he wouldn't have come and asked me to do it. He'd ask somebody else to do it, but um, that's the positive part of it. But um, so I had that, but I had, I answered all officials questions. So if anybody called the office and said they need to talk to somebody about a football rule, basketball rule, baseball rule, or golf interpretation, then I was the guy that they, they sent the call to. So I would do that. And of course, after Friday night football, Monday morning, the calls yeah. would come. And, and, you know, one of the things that I did with our officials and our coaches, I would have an official call and say, I need the interpretation of a rule, a ruling on this play. And I would say, okay. And then I would show tell him when the book where he could find it. And we'd walk through it and talk about it. Now I said, were you right or wrong? And if he said, we're wrong, I said, okay, here's what I expect you to do. Call that coach and the AD and have call the AD, have the coach come in his office, and then they'll call you back. And then you tell him that you made a mistake. You hear. Yeah. And I said, now the same token, if a coach calls me and says, they blew this call and blah, 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 you know, and I'm saying, no, I don't think they did. If you're telling me what, if this happened, what you're telling me happened, then they didn't. Then I said, you and your AD need to sit down and call the official and apologize. Now right. they aren't going to get those, 5,000 fans that were there at the game back in there so they can hear that conversation. But, but no, but, but I use that. And I said, I always told our officials and our coaches, that's how you build integrity with people. I said, being honest and fair with them. Right. And I said, if you, and I, I, and it was a hard thing for a lot of officials. I know to call a coach and say, Hey, I misinterpreted the rule. I made a mistake. Here's the rule. And I apologize. I know I can't do anything about it now, but I'll work harder next time. I said, I told those guys hardest thing to do in the world, but I'll tell you what, you'll gain a lot of integrity from that. Absolutely. Yeah. And respect. Yep. Absolutely. No, that's great. Um, Yep. But I would, but every day I, I had plenty to work on because um, I'd start working on officials probably a month before assignments went out, you know, of, of where I was going to, where I was going to put them. And as soon as we made the assignments, part of it was I couldn't do anything until I know who was playing because Brian Claude and Adam might be on the same crew, but Adam's got a conflict on this date and can't work. So he lists those. And then Brian, you got a conflict on this date and can't work, or you can't work school A, B, C, D, or E. So now I have to go through all that when I do that and make sure I don't assign you one of those schools because you can't work them. Maybe you graduated from there. Maybe, maybe your dad coaches there or whatever it is, you know, so, I had all those conflicts to work through. It was a lot of work to do your assignments. And then we never worked anybody the same team twice in the tournaments. Oh, wow. Very rarely would that happen. So you think about all the assignments of all those games and never working the same team twice, you know? 
Um, wow. Yeah, you had to you had to have your tabulations in the right place. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, so did those assignments did uh, did all the assignments come from you guys? And then is that something that the ads? I know initially ads, but then has it kind of gotten to the conference level? How did those assignments come about? Well, during during the regular season, we didn't assign anybody. Okay, that that was all ads or ads that did it or assigners that were out there. Yep. We only assigned tournament games. You know, st the 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 districts and the, the district, substates yep. and the state tournament. Yep, that's all we did in all three sports. Okay, but those ones are coming from you based off of going back to, as you said, the um, uh, assessments that you got for each of them and kind of figuring out where and how everybody falls in. Um, good, so that makes sense. So then come state tournament time when you were with the association in Boone, was this, uh, was this an opportunity for you to just watch the guys or did the assignments keep coming in? What, was, what did the week of uh, the state tournaments look like for you? Well, state tournament, we'd already made all the assignments because those guys had to know when they're working. But a lot of them we couldn't make until about two or three days before the before the, uh, you know, before they were supposed to work. And the second assignments were tougher yet because we didn't know who was going to win. You know what I mean? And where they oh, yeah. came from and stuff. So we had to play a little bit with that. But uh, we could assign the first first round games. But yeah, that was a that was kind of a little bit of a work around you know let's see am i going to work this guy 4a championship am i going to work this guy the 3a championship you know where am i going to have this crew and that crew so you had to work around all that stuff and then all of a sudden somebody upset somebody and right. then oh oh now i gotta yeah. recalculate all this you know and and so yeah it was uh it was never easy. I can tell you it was a lot of work and a lot of nights I can tell you that because during the day the problem was I'd start assigning or start get something in mind where I wanted to put this guy over here and this guy over there, the phone would ring. Changed, now you lost yeah. all track. And now you got to yeah. take a phone call and, and do all that and then start over. So a lot of times I did it at night. I I'd just go out the office at night myself and I'd have boards. I'd have boards and pins and have the, have all the games boarded out and everything and just work from there. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I let, let the day happen. So you can't have any more interruptions or something mm -hmm. change at least until, yeah. at least until tomorrow. Um, so uh, one of the new things this year is going to be the shot clock um, from an outsider's perspective. I know you've done some college stuff, so you're at least familiar with it. Uh, what do you think maybe advantages and maybe some disadvantages that are maybe some growing pains, maybe not disadvantage growing pains that we're going to see early in the season um, from the officiating side with the shot clock? Well, I think, I think the number one thing you're going to, going to see is you're going to see resets. That's going to be, you know, did the ball hit the rim? Did the ball not hit the rim? Did, you know, this and that. And I, I you know, when I, when I observed officials for the big 12 at Iowa state, which I did a little of, I, I just hated the stoppages. I'll be honest with you. It just shut everybody down. And we stood around for a while and then they'd have to talk about it and see what they had. And, and uh, so that, that creates some problems too. And it's going to be, it's going to be new for everybody. So it's not only just the players and the coaches, it's all those bench people, that guy that's running that shot clock over there. And it's, it's going to, it's going to have some, some ups and downs with it. Let's yeah. just put it that way, but it, it's going to be a challenge for a lot of guys and, you know, you're, you're going to get a lot more last second shots than what you did just at the end of the quarter, or end of the half, you're going to get those in the shot clock now. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm sure they'll have their, their hands full 
and uh, but but it's new and and you just got to roll with the punches with it and do the best you can. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be more so on the operators here to start with. And then mm-hmm. obviously the officials kind of keeping peace and making everything kind of make sense. And just another thing to pay attention to. Um, so the first yeah, first three months will be interesting. I think everyone will pick up on it fairly quickly. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it changes the games. But like you said, it's going to add a add a component of the way that the game's played, especially, you know, in the last minute, two minutes of the game, it's going to be changed. You know, it's going to be completely different. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how the guys handle that. Well, the other part of it is Brian is think about those guys that are doing a freshman game or a JV game. And, you know, they're grabbing anybody they can grab to run a clock and, 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 and just be there on the, on the scores table. So, but, uh, you know, everybody's just going to have some have to have patience, coaches and officials and everybody. And just, you know, you can't get upset. You're just going to have to say, hey, we're going to have to work through this. And, you know, it'll get better. It'll get better as time goes on. And, and uh, but that's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is uh, that is perfect. Um, I know I know you've kind of uh, mentioned here along the way, but uh, from a from a coaching perspective, as far as um, dealing with the officials, what piece of advice would you say uh, to any coaches that might be listening as far as, especially probably these young coaches that are trying to figure out, I, I've heard this work the officials thing before. I don't know what it is. I don't know what this consists of. I don't know how to go about it. Um, what would you say uh, as far as advice to some some young coaches uh, when it comes to the, dealing with officials? Well, I, th- I think the first thing they, they have to, you have to understand and obviously different levels, you know, of, of the game whether it be the freshman or JV or varsity or whatever it is, you just have to understand that guys are going to make mistakes. I, I said the same day I work a perfect game would be the same day the kids play one and the coaches coach one. And it's never going to happen, you know? So we have to understand that. And then, but I can tell you right now, you, you have to, uh, as an official, you have to work with the coach and, uh, I, I know it's not easy and guys get excited and they, and they, they want this or they want that. And, and like I said, you have to set the tone. And if the coach, you know, you can't let the coach run over you. If you do, how's that fair to the other guy? It's kind of like our, we used to have our bench decorum rule. And I said, if you're going to let one guy stand all night and the other guy's going to sit pretty soon, the guy that's sitting is going to say, well, if you're going to let him stand, then I'm going to stand. You know, yeah, and, right. and that's kind of how it works. And, and you have to say, coach, I'm, I'm going to do the best job I can. I'm going to make some mistakes. I sure am. I'm, I'm guessing your kids probably will too, you know, but we're going to work together and make this a good night. And uh, I think that's sometimes you just, you just got to step back and relax and say, let's work together. Let's not fight each other. We want, we want this to be fun for the kids. And when it's not fun for the kids and not fun for anybody, then why are we playing the game? Yeah. That's- that's perfect. I think that's the oftentimes the biggest perspective that gets lost is that at the end of the day, it's for these kids. That's why the coaches are there. That's why the officials are there. That's why the bus drivers came. I mean, it's all for the kids and we lose, we lose that uh, perspective sometimes and, and get carried away. Um, and as adults, we got to be the ones that are able to, uh, to, to keep our sights straight and, and, and move forward. Um, so I, I got to bring up just cause it was such a, a, a neat opportunity and neat situation, but how did the storm Lake Iowa basketball camp come about? And I know you, you had a, a hand in this, but I would love to hear the story behind getting all those guys up there to storm. Lake. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there was there was a couple guys up there. Paul Duglash was probably the mainstay. Paul Duglash was a huge Iowa fan, and Paul Paul wanted he he saw that that they were going to different places in Iowa to play or to to have a camp. And yeah. He said, "Well, why don't we get him to Storm Lake?" And he knew some of the coaches and stuff. And and uh, God bless Paul, he's gone now. But he was the one that kind of orchestrated the whole thing. Uh, he and a couple other guys in Storm Lake, and they they convinced him to to come up to Storm Lake. Jerry Strom was with the University of Iowa. He was kind of basketball guru for the, you know, he made all their. Uh, um, flights and did all their work for the he was the Iowa basketball uh, guy and uh, he did all that and Jerry um, Jerry and Paul worked together and they said let's try it let's try it so the they had a camp at Storm Lake at BV and uh, the basketball players came up and uh, well they kind of stayed in the dorms but they weren't real happy about that and stuff and so the next year I said well why don't the basketball guys all of them that want to can stay at our house and so um, from that point on, all the basketball players stayed at our house and my wife cooked food for them galore. And of course they ate a lot, you know, she says, aren't you guys full yet? <laughs> and, uh, but she was good and she cooked for them. And we had a couple jet skis and they'd go out in the jet skis. I remember, I remember one day Duez Henderson and somebody else were out on a jet ski and do as I'm on the dock watching them. And of course we never let them go out without life jackets or anything, but uh, they were out there and, and do fell off and he's screaming. He can't swim oh. and he's screaming. Oh, no. I said, do just stand up. And he stands <laughs> up and the water's about up to his neck. <laughs> he thought for sure he was done. And uh, you know, and, and that was a good story we always had there and they didn't tell that. Because the girls all used to come around when Luke Recker was playing for, for oh, Iowa. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and is Luke around, you know? <laughs> and uh, But anyway, I guess they spilled the beans to Steve Alford at Luke Recker's wedding. Because <laughs> none of them wanted to tell him the story. They're afraid he'd not let us jet ski anymore. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, and then good. Ryan Bowen and J.R. Koch. They, they had never ridden a jet ski, so they both got on one. We'd just gotten a brand new jet ski, and uh, and those two went out and sunk it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, those, camps so, were, those camps were always a lot of fun and super well attended, too. I mean, it was just oh, yeah, a we, neat experience. They were full. They were they filled that camp, and it was kind of neat. And you probably remember when the, when the Iowa and Iowa State used to go around to the different communities and yeah, play the, too the they farewell to tour or whatever it was farewell. called yeah. yeah yeah well it was not that it was before the season started they went around and played kind of scrimmage and okay. uh then they then the big 10 i think shut that off maybe the big eight i think they big eight did too but yeah we used to work a lot of those games when they when they come up and scrimmage at spencer or carol or somewhere and yeah, yeah. it was it was fun yeah Ru was uh fun. russ russ millard came to algona and broke the backboard on a dog oh did he the, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he, oh yeah was, we, we had the we, old those old fan backboards and he threw oh. an alley-oop up and went up and hammered it and spired the whole thing so they had to play, they had to play the on the, they had to no they had to play on the short court so they they turned oh. it sideways and played the short court the rest of the night so <laughs> that's pretty good yeah you know been fortunate in life to do a lot of things that a lot of other people didn't get to do and 
and I praise the Lord for that every day. Yeah. That is great. And it's been great to hear about some of those too, Smokey. It's been, uh, you know, kind of a, a blast from the past with some of these things. So, um, yeah, it's been super interesting to hear that. Um, well, uh, uh, we like to end our episodes with a little section we call rapid fire. And I know we gave you a little bit of a rundown before this, but, uh, this probably was not on that rundown. So, uh, we're going to, we're, uh, we're going to hit you with a couple of questions and, uh, you just let us know what comes to the top of your head. Okay. All right, Smoke. What, uh, what was your favorite gym? to officiate in palmer iowa palmer iowa you know what well, Brian? i think auditorium uh, would have been but but it was just when palmer won 106 or seven games in a row yeah. we worked there a number of times and uh it was a little bitty of a pit but i can tell you right now it was it was louder than most gyms are any day we had somebody else answer that i feel like was was that no uh it has come up Chris on the no yeah came up on the pod before i know because is the does the gym is the gym still there or has it yeah has, i think the gym's still there they don't play there anymore because they're yeah. they're co-opt with pocahontas and palmer yeah. and that now but yeah well, i maybe i maybe need an address for that because i drove through there one one day coming back from okaboji and i i could not find a gym maybe oh i just my. maybe i just missed it yeah it might be the only thing in town <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. We've heard a lot about that. So, um, so down in, uh, down in Kansas city. Now you guys have been down there for several years. Have you, wh where have you found a barbecue spot? Like we are always looking for a place to eat. What do we got for barbecue down there? Oh, uh, Jack's barbecue is probably one of the best of the Jack stack. It's Jack stack. Jack stack. It's, it's, it's a great barbecue. Yeah. And, and uh, what is it? Q 39, Q39. I think it is. I've heard a lot about that. I've never been there, yeah. but, yeah, Kansas City's got a lot of great, great barbecue yep. places. Yeah, that's good. We always gotta, we always gotta get, uh, get on some food places here when we get going. Um, you know, worked a lot of game in, games in Vets Auditorium. What, uh, what's your favorite Vets Auditorium story? Oh my. Well, let's see. That's that's a good question. You know, I I've worked several that were overtime games. Uh, worked a a lot of championship games between some great teams. Um, oh, Lordy, you're, you're putting it on me now with that. <laughs> no, I'm racking the brain I, you know, here. I, lo I loved them all. It, it, yep. that's, that, was, that was the cake and ice cream of finishing off a season. I'll, so I'll, I'll share one of my favorite Vets Auditorium stories, which you were a part of. Um, getting ready for – I have several too now that I'm sitting here, but uh, getting ready for the uh, – the, the 4A state championship game and we were talking about Kurt Heinrich and what a player he was going to be and this, that, and whatever. And uh, so this would have been my eighth grade year. And you were like, Oh, Kirk. Yeah. He's a heck of a player. Let's go down and let's go down and see him. So they're in the middle of their warmups <laughs> of the state championship game. Smoke and I walk down there and Kirk goes through the layup line and smoke goes, Kirk, give me your quick. And, Kurt comes over and he poses for a picture with me in the middle of warmups of the, of the state, state championship game. <laughs> yeah. Kurt, Kurt's a great guy. I still communicate with Kirk once in a while. Um, you know, some of those guys, uh, Ray for friends. I work Kirk. I work Ray for friends. Um, I work Jess settles. I worked, uh, let's see, uh, uh, guys that played at Kansas. Um, Collison, one, um, Collison huh? Iowa Falls. Nick, yeah. Collison. Nick, yeah. Collison. Yep. Nick, I talked to Nick here not that long ago, yeah. and uh, yeah, he's uh, 
those are great guys. Great guys. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I had more fun just officiating period. I coaches and, and kids. I, I still today say people say, what do you miss? I miss the coaches and the kids. If, if I could still do it, I'd try and do it. I can tell you that, but I can't, I'd do, I'd do injustice to all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this might be a better question coming from Adam. Cause he's got more experience, but were the officials locker rooms at vets any better than the players locker rooms or what was the, what was the set up there? <laughs> they were, they were, well, let's put it this way. The officials locker room had two chairs and a shower and you might run into each other, get into the shower. And because that tells you how big those were. Now the locker rooms were a little bigger, but I'm guessing they were pretty cramped in there too. The kids, the kids in their, in their locker rooms, I was, uh, they weren't very big either. I can tell you yes. that, but yeah, they but were they're, they're I, a lot nicer now that they've yeah. got gone to the well. well and, yeah. They're very yeah. nice now. Yeah. Yeah. Those kids are, yeah. those kids are spoiled now, but they don't get the atmosphere. Isn't quite the same as you got in the barn. That's for sure. Can't be vets, man. No, Can't be vets Can't yep. at all. Um, so is there, is there a current official or officiating crew, whether it's on TV or um, somewhere where you, you, you kind of like when they're on, you, you like watching them for whatever reason? Well, I, you know, I watch a lot of games. I haven't got anything else to do. So, you know, <laughs> during the day, it's kind of slow because, most of the time there aren't many games on, but um, right. now we're getting more basketball games on at night and stuff. But, yep. but uh, you know, I, I just enjoy watching them. I, I watch guys, you know, and uh, you talk about that, that, that you bring up a great point because I'm going to go back to the high school level. Yeah. I, I used to go when I went to playoffs, I go over and I just sit and take notes watching crews work. That was when I was still working because I wanted anything I could do better. I wanted to be able to use it now. I could sit and watch a crew do this. And I'd, I'd say to myself, we just don't have that personnel to do that. Right. They can do that, but we can't, you know, we just, I don't, don't see our personnel doing it, but I used to take things away from guys as they worked and watched them. And sometimes I'd even go down after the game and ask them, you know, I, go through the whole thing of how you handle that and how you did that. Cause I really liked it and I'd like to incorporate it in our crew. And uh, so, you know, I was always looking for things that I could do, to help our crew become better, whether it be basketball, football, baseball, but, uh, you know, go and, and watch and learn from those guys. I'll tell you a quick story. I was in vets auditorium when I was working for the office and I had some guys sitting, some officials sitting up in the crowd and rock Valley was playing somebody and rock Valley came out like six eleven, six ten, six six, six five, And I think six, two. Yeah. Now they're big boys. They, and they can all run the floor rebound and run the floor. Cause I used to work them when I was officiating and, and it didn't make any difference. It was a six ten guy. He'd pull a ball off the floor and away he'd go to the other end. And this guy was up there and he said, these officials, I'm really questioning these officials. He says to me, I said, come on down. I put him in a chair right underneath the basket. And I said, now tell me how it goes. And he goes, Holy buckets. He said, I never realized how fast and strong and big these guys were. He said, looked at me he says i promise i'll never say another word and up in the crowd he went but i just put him down there to get it get a little bit of a different thing and and that's one thing about officials never never downgrade somebody else that's out there and doing you wouldn't want them to do that to you when you're sitting in the crowd don't do that to them while they're out there working right you know just nothing said is better than a lot of things that are said sometimes that's right yeah. Well, well, and I think too, I mean, regardless of what it is, you can tell 
there's a, a level of passion and pride in what you do um, when you can't help but just always be watching and always be learning, no matter whether it's coaches or players. Um, you know, we've all seen players who you take to a basketball game and they don't actually watch a single play or a single game. And it's like their level of interest is a little bit different than everybody else's. And same goes for officials. Like you go to a game, like you watch the officials and you kind of pick things up and you try to learn from them. Same thing from coaches. You go and you, if you're a coach, you sit there and you watch the coach and you, you mm -hmm. try to analyze their calls and why the play sets and stuff. And so, uh, that's good. That's refreshing to refreshing to hear because I know our players and coaches do the same thing um, with their yeah. craft. Um, so well, I, and another one going along with that, Brian. I, you know, um, when when I used to tell officials, when you go out and officiate, you never know who might be sitting in the stands watching you. It might be a guy from another conference wanting to bring you into their conference. It might be a college uh, uh, observer that's there watching you work for for another conference or league or go to the college level or go to the next level you never know who might be there watching you that's why it's so important to give your yeah. best effort effort each night don't say to me well come and watch me next week when i know you're going to be there yeah <laughs> come, right. come on thursday smoke I, yeah. I, I know you'll be there um we talked a little bit about it, but let's go. So let's go. So, uh, basketball, obviously first, that one's going to be tough football and baseball. Is there one player in each of those sports that was the best that you had an opportunity to officiate? Oh boy. Putting you on the spot again here. I know. Yeah. It's a lot of games. I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story. I had, uh, I had, uh, Harlan, and Columbus Catholic and Kleiman was playing. Who's the Kansas state coach now yeah. was playing quarterback for Columbus Catholic. Harlan's going for their third straight state championship. And Columbus Catholic has them down 13 to seven. And there's under a minute to play. No timeouts left for Harlan. No timeouts left. Columbus Catholic's got the ball at about the 50 yard line. And all they got to do is run one more play and punt the football and it's pretty much assured they're going to win the game. Kleiman takes a snap on third down, rolls out to his left, decides to go airborne for a couple extra yards, gets hit from behind, the ball flies out. Kid from Harlem picks it up and goes 64 yards for a touchdown, and they lose the game 14 to 13. Wow. I, I, I never felt so bad for a kid in all my <laughs> life. I mean, they'd done everything they needed to do to win that game, you know, and it was a super game. And that's, that's what happens out of it, you know? So oh, crazy. Yeah. That's, that but, is um, basketball. Oh man. Rafe LaFriends, uh, Collison, Heinrich worked all those guys, all really, really, really good ball players. Um, and just settles there. There's a number of them that were really, yeah. really good ball players. Um, let's see. And baseball, Probably the kid from Marshalltown, Clement. Clement, yeah. He might have been the best baseball player I ever worked. Yeah. He was wow. he was really good. I had him at Mason City one night. And, uh, wow, he swung a bat, I can tell you that. But uh, there's 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 a lot of them out there that, that were really good ball players, you know. Yeah. Um, but that would be just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think football-wise. I mean, I worked a lot of great athletes. Uh, um, there was a kid that played up in Northwest Iowa, far Northwest Iowa, and he played in the pros. 
for a number of years. I can't remember his name now. Oh, really? But he was he was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a kid from up there right now that's a snapper. Um, what's the team he snaps for, Donna? What team does that kid from up in Sioux Center or wherever it's at snap for? Now you're putting your wife on the spot here. So. It. Well, it's her brother that told us about oh, right. the Rams. He, he snaps for the Rams. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's good. Well, uh, I know you spend I know you spend a lot of time in these games and, and paying attention to that, but we always ask our guests because it's been kind of a fun topic. What's your favorite sports movie? You have a favorite sports movie? Oh. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big movie watcher. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big basketball, me. football, baseball game watcher, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, oh golly, I don't know. I'd have to pass that. You're putting me on the spot here. I don't know what, <laughs> what, what, what we'll that check in be. later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's good. Check Art. that blank. I missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, two two more. Smoke will get you out of here. One of the other questions too that we always ask um, is a, is about pizza. Do you have? Is there a pizza place in Iowa that uh, along your journeys or your travels that uh, was was ever a favorite for you? Well, about the only thing we got at the time we got out of the gymnasium was a hot dog on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even. But you, but uh, yeah, you know I I it was usually too late for any of them to be open. We were just hoping by 11 o'clock, we could catch a Casey somewhere right and, and get, get <laughs> something if somebody didn't eat it all already. But yeah, there were a lot of nights uh, people don't think about that, but there were a lot of nights we drove home and my wife would have to, you know, heat something up that they had for supper that, <laughs> and, and serve it to me. But uh, yeah, yeah, she packed a lot of white, a lot of, a lot of meals for us. Yep. That's good. Well, you mentioned too earlier, you were talking about, uh some of the perks that you get and oftentimes that was uh you know a, a handful of snicker bars or whatever they would bring you from uh <laughs> from the concession stand because the concession stand. I, I i always knew uh i always knew where as a kid to go get a snickers would just go to dad's officiating bag because there was usually three or four of them in there <laughs> well we always dennison was probably the best one dennison always brought you snickers between halftime of the first jv or varsity game girls game at the end of the game, at halftime of the next one, at the end of the game. So All we right. really walked out of there with a little bit of stock for, for our next week or so, whatever we were doing, you know. But but uh, most schools were very good. They, they'd get you whatever you wanted, you know. And we did. We tried not to, you know, make people go get us food and, right. and do that kind of thing, you know. And there were some, shoot, we'd go to Manson, and the guy would have us pull our car right in the shop. So it was warm, you know, in the middle of the winter, it was warm. <laughs> We'd come out instead of coming out and have to scrape your car and start it and hope it started. And, uh, but yeah, we, awesome. we had, we had, a lot, and there were, there were a lot of them. I, I, I can't tell you how good the athletic directors and the coaches were to us. They were, they were phenomenal. It, it, uh, you know, for the one or two, you could knock out the rest of them overdid it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and you kind of just answered it, but our last question we always like to end with too is, uh, what what was the best thing about having the opportunity to impact so many young lives and and, and be an official and impact the game um, on so many levels for all those years? What was what was probably the thing that uh, you'll take or hold uh, the most fun with you as you move forward? Well, 
the experiences you got, you know, money can't buy that. Money can't buy the opportunities that, that I got to got to do. And I, I guarantee I would have done them for nothing. I would have done it for nothing. I it was it was it meant that much to me, you know, to to do that. But you know, there were there were a lot of times you, I would guess when I was back at the office after it was all said and done and and work guys like Adam and you and, and different kids, they they'd call me and say, you know, thank you for what you did. You you were really good. We appreciated what you did, and we're, we're understanding that now that we've we're out of school and we didn't know what we had. Right. And I said, you know what? It, it works both ways. You guys yeah. were good kids too. And uh, you know, we didn't get every call right. If we would have, I wouldn't have been working where I was working that night. I'd have been in Madison Square Gardens. But you know what? <laughs> I wasn't that good. So uh, that's that's why. But. You know, I, I still, and, and for you guys, if we're about done here, I just want to thank all the officials that are working. Go out and recruit another official. Get some more people started and, and keep things going so that we can have games for these kids that are out there playing. And coaches, you guys are awesome. Just just keep working hard. And, and uh, I, I just say hopefully the officials respect you and hopefully you respect the officials when they work games each night for you. Well said. That is yes. absolutely perfect, yep. Smoke. Bravo. We we appreciate you taking some time to chat with us and share the insight uh, with us and our coaches, our listeners, our fans. Um, we appreciate it. Um, great advice. Great to catch up, uh, share some stories and hear how things are going with you. Um, thank you very much. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate what you do. You do an awesome job and keep it up because it's good for the coaches and the kids and the, and, and all the people that, that joined in to, to listen and, uh, Hopefully your 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 podcast just grow. Well, thank you. Yeah, we we appreciate that. And like Brian said, appreciate your time. So great to meet you again. Um, it was uh, like I said, very interesting and very cool to learn a little bit more about you and your and your background stories and stuff like that. And yeah, thank you for everything you did for the sport, and uh, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. It was it was my pleasure.